Welcome to the Connection Chat Podcast, where we talk about all things mental health. We believe that connecting with others through honest conversation is our greatest tool in breaking down the stigma that is often associated with mental illness. My name is Lauren Sepulvador, and today we're going to be having one of those conversations. Thank you for listening. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week of Connections Chat. This week, I have Aaron Wiggins here with us. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Lauren. How are you doing today? Good. And I'm so excited to have you on the podcast because no one has talked about the topic that you suggested yet. So we're going to be talking about sexuality and sex therapy, you guys. Yeah, I'm super excited. Thank you so much for having me and for giving me the platform to be able to talk about this. So absolutely. It's really important, like you've said before. So I'll read your introduction real quick so everybody can get to know you. Aaron Wiggins is a recent graduate from Texas Wesleyan University with her master's in professional counseling seeking to obtain associate licensure. With a passion for education and empowerment, she joins us today to talk about sexuality and what it looks like in a mental health setting. So I would love to hear your story of how you even got into the helping profession in the first place. So what inspired you to get your degree and work in this field? Yeah, I think it's something that we've all been asked before, kind of, why are you doing this? What drives you? And it really is just watching other people change their lives in front of you, right? And being able to be a part of that directional change, being a piece in that path. Um, if I am able to be put in the right places at the right time to have those conversations, to guide those narratives, to be able to sit down and be that listening ear, that is really what drives me to wake up and continue to do what I do every single day. I love that. And then with your passion for sexuality and speaking about that, educating others, where did that come from and why are you so passionate about it? Yeah, that comes from my first job out of college. So I worked for a nonprofit here in Dallas called Girls Inc. Incorporated. And part of my job was outreach programs. And I had the wonderful opportunity to go into school systems, the inner schools, and talk about sexuality with teens and adolescents. And it floored me at the fact that we are not educating our teens and adolescents enough and having those conversations with parents. So when I went back for my master's shortly after, I was like, you know what? This is something that I'm interested in. It's something I'm very comfortable doing um, and didn't realize I had a strong passion for it until being in that that realm. Yeah. And I can imagine that there's so many misconceptions and misunderstandings about sex therapy and educating others and young girls on sex education. So what did that look like or what have you experienced with that? Yeah, that's a really good point and a really good question and something that even in 2022 going into 2023 is still very much accurate. Um, something as simple as what the female body is like or what the male body is like and having that conversation of what is appropriate touch, what is not appropriate touch. And a lot of times parents, especially with our children who are younger, how do you start that conversation? How do you start that dialogue? And I always empower parents. I'm like, if you're not the one to have that conversation with them, their peers are, and where are they getting their information, right? So a lot just about what their body is able to do, what it goes through during puberty, what it means when I start to physically be attracted to someone, and all those things that go into that. But sexuality is so much more than just, you know, the sexual piece of things. Right. And you're so true, especially like what you said is so true, and that kids have cell phones at such a young age now and have access to the internet. Like if their parents aren't educating them and explaining things to them and they don't feel comfortable asking them those questions, they're going to find it online. And it's probably not going to be from a reliable, safe source, obviously. Correct. Yeah. So YouTube's a huge driving force. Google, and we've all been on Google a time or two, and you get to Wikipedia and (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, the accuracy of what Wikipedia brings us. Um, and the other component of things, unfortunately, is the pornography world, right. world and what that means for our children and adolescents who have access to that information as well. So, you know, not everything that's on the internet is true. Not everything that's out there is accurate. And so if you're able to provide our children, our peers, our colleagues, our friends with that proper information, why not be that that source for them? Definitely. And I can understand or see that there would be a shortage of counselors that specialize in this just because of the stigma. And I'm sure that brings a lot of problems. So what is your take on that? Yeah, my take on that is you're absolutely right. There is a huge shortage of therapists to specialize in sex education. So in the counseling world, there is something called a sex therapy or a sex therapist. And it stands for American Association of Sexuality and Counselors, Education, or Educators and Therapists. And they go through an additional certification program and additional training to be able to have those conversations, right? And those conversations look so different with different age ranges, with different individuals who identify with, you know, different identities Mm -hmm. and orientations and how they want to, you know, choose to identify themselves in the world. So it is something that I think we need to bring more awareness on and also empower other people to know that it's okay in a safe space to be able to have those kind of conversations. I love that you brought in the inclusivity piece of how people identify different genders and that there's so many layers to this. Um, And also, if you could maybe explain what sex therapy looks like, because I'm sure or just what those conversations look like, because I'm sure a lot of people may not even know what that would look like in the counseling space. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, thinking about what relationships look like today, you have males and females, you have males and males, you have females and females, you have individuals who identify as non-binary where they don't want to be, you know, bound to one specific gender. You have individuals who identify as asexual and so they don't, they just want to choose to love who they love. And when you hear sex therapy initially, you think, okay, what does that mean, right? What does that look like? Does that mean we're going to be doing different things in the counseling room? Not necessarily, right? It could mean intimacy. Am I working with an older population of a couple who's been married for 50 plus years where unfortunately the woman's experiencing, you know, just reproductive issues or things that happen where she might need to consult with her gynecologist or her primary care provider because that's impacting her her intimacy levels with her spouse, right? It might look like someone who's gone through sexual trauma and they're ready to start going into relationships again. What does that mean when that conversation comes on the table of, hey, I'm ready to become more intimate with you than what we are? So it's not just what is it specifically in terms of, you know, anatomy and what goes in where, but it means so much more than that. How someone identifies someone's experience, someone's walk of life, where they are, so many things get brought into that. And that really honestly goes back to that education piece and knowing what to do when people are where they are. Definitely. And also I can imagine that it can be individuals that aren't in a relationship and want to explore that themselves or don't know where to start. And also a trauma piece of Mm -hmm. those have had sexual trauma and trying Mm -hmm. to like refine themselves as well. Yeah, that's, that is a challenging conversation. It is one that involves a lot of trust and a lot of delicacy, but it is one that is much needed. And thinking about that sexual trauma piece, you know, you have unfortunately children who are exposed to that at a young age. You hear stories of men and women going through that, you know, at an, at an adult age, 
so many different variables and factors that can factor into that and what that conversation looks like and what that means for that person. Because at the end of the day, you just want that individual to feel comfortable and to feel like they are knowledgeable and empowering themselves. And if you could share a message with listeners, and this could be geared towards the young girls that you worked with or anybody about maybe something that they may have a misunderstanding with, because there's so much shame and guilt that comes with this line of work. Um, So is there a message that you would like to share that maybe you've shared with clients in the past? Yeah, my number one thing would be find someone you trust to have this conversation with. Um, I try to tell people, Don't be naive to it. We all get exposed to it at some point in time or another. But find someone who's going to look at you and be honest with you and upfront with you. Find someone who's not going to laugh at you. Find someone who's going to validate you and be open to any questions that you have. That is what I've noticed in the beginning. If you can find someone to have those conversations with, it really makes you feel more empowered to go back and say, hey, I have a question about this or hey, I have a question about that. So not being afraid to ask those questions to someone that you confide in and trust. And it's so important to have a safe space or that safe person that you can talk to because thinking of children growing up and having these questions about their bodies changing or things that they hear and not being able to understand what's going on. If they're shamed for that, then they're going to be scared to ask questions in the future and learn from not trustworthy sources. Absolutely. And that can also unfortunately be a generational thing, right? Mm -hmm. So when I've worked with children, I've had conversations with parents about those topics and I've experienced it more so with the males are fathers than I have with moms or the females. Um, but it's like, hey, I didn't realize that my daughter was going through this. And that made me step back and think, what did that conversation with that individual look like when they were growing up? So not only thinking about setting a safe space for our children, but is this something generationally that we might be able to shift and change over time? And make, like speaking of making a big shift, obviously the education system is – So troublesome when it comes Mm. to this. I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts, but (laughs) what are changes that you wish you could see or things that you're seeing in the field that are an issue? Yeah. One of the changes that I wish I could see if, you know, I had my way um, would be to make sex education mandatory in school settings, whether you're in a public school setting, whether you're in a private school setting, it should be something that is mandatory for all children to be exposed to. Um, I know that some states allow that. I know that some districts allow that. You have to get parental consent. But if I would be able to have that conversation of, hey, this is something that we all are going through. It's like you said, a taboo subject, something that we don't like to touch on or talk about. I feel like it would change so many perspectives and so many different things that we're seeing in terms of teen pregnancies, you know, abortion rates. I I could go on, right? But that would be something that I would love to be able to see. Yeah, because knowledge is power. And when people know, they can make better choices and understand what's going on. Um, So the fact that, you know, Texas and a lot of other states aren't giving children that education piece, it can be obviously really worrisome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, most definitely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Connections Chat Podcast. We are hiring a Connections Wellness Group for all of our locations and for clinicians that are wanting to see in-person clients, but also willing to do a hybrid of in-person and virtual. We are in search of fully licensed clinicians, such as LPCs, LMFTs, and LSCSWs. If you are interested in applying for these positions, 
please send your resume to cwghr at connectionswellnessgroup.com. We talked a lot about kids with this. So Mm -hmm. what about adults, some issues that you're seeing or things that maybe um, adults have misconceptions about? So misconception wise with adults, I think it looks different Um, because usually as an adult, you're if you have not already engaged in sexual intercourse or been exposed to sexuality in one sense or another, um, I've noticed it more with a collegiate population of individuals who are searching for their sexual identity or their sexual orientation. So how they want to identify who they're attracted to. Um, I personally do not have experience in working with in terms of adults and older population with individuals who have sexual dysfunctions um, that are classified in the DSM-5, but would love to have that chance, you know, in the future. Yeah. Cause wow, that's such a like coming of age with the college population and really exploring that. Um, so that's obviously going to look completely different than working with children, mm-hmm. um, and adolescents in that field. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I remember in my graduate degree program, part of our course was to take a sexual advance intimacy course and we had to get exposed to or how comfortable are you with this conversation? Is this something that you could talk to your clients about if they walk through the door? Um, I remember we had to have an immersion project where we had to go out and find something that pushed us to be able to go and be in a, in a sexuality setting. Um, so it was really great to hear those different perspectives, but it really relayed back to how can we serve the populations that we're serving when they come into our counseling room. Absolutely. I would love to hear more about that class if you have other things to offer, because I know I didn't get to, that wasn't even offered as far as I know at Texas Women's. So I didn't get to take anything like that. But obviously that's a huge part. Even if you don't um, specialize in sex therapy, Mm -hmm. that's going to be something that almost every client is dealing with in one form or another. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure that you learned a lot in that class that's applicable to your future career. Yes. We talked about so many different things. Goodness. Like I mentioned before, from sexual dysfunction to the reality of sexually transmitted diseases and infections to puberty with our, you know, our younger kids, we, any scope that needed to be covered, we did. Um, And there were individuals in the class who were a lot more open and comfortable with talking about sexuality. And then we had individuals that were not, and we were honest with each other, but we respected each other, right? You can be honest, but also respect one another. So to be able to go, you know, and have that opportunity to sit around individuals and talk about, again, such a foreign thing, such a thing that we brush under the rug was I thanked my professors for that opportunity. And then to be able to share that experience with others and to hear during that process how people identified themselves differently, how it impacted their relationship with their family members, how, again, the immersion experience really pushed us and drove us to be better clinicians for our our clients. That's amazing. And even though I didn't get to take a course like that, even though I would have loved to, um, at Texas Women's, they did really emphasize that even if you don't specialize in this, this is going to come up with clients. Mm -hmm. And the most important thing to not do is to ignore it, shame, or anything like that. Because if they're coming to you about that, that's such a sensitive topic in the first place. Yes. And of course, if you need to refer, if that is something that feels out of your scope of work, then do that. But always make them feel comfortable in the room and talk about the best that you can, because that's going to be something that every client is dealing with. And it can't be something that is just ignored because that may have been what they experienced with other family members or loved ones when they tried to talk about it. Yes. And to hear you say, you know, the fact that you're going to have someone walk through the door, sit down and mention this and not 
just to brush over it. If that client is sitting in front of you and they are mentioning something of that magnitude to you, it means something to Mm -hmm. them. They're not just going to say it to say it to hear them talk. They're not just going to say it to please you. The words of our clients are everything. And it's really being able to sit there and listen to them and hear their concerns and hear what's going on. That just gave me chills. So thank you. I appreciate you just reminding me of that. (laughs) Yes. Well, it's so (laughs) important. And whether it's sex or any other taboo topic, possibly, that's something that they're going through and that they need help with. Mm -hmm. And if we're ignoring that, that could be what they've experienced from everyone else. And they might tell themselves, well, I'm not allowed to talk about that with anybody, or maybe it's not that important. So making sure to recognize that and to be there with them through that journey, whatever they're experiencing. Right. Which goes back to your question that you asked me earlier. What is one thing that you could say to our younger girls out there, your you know little piece of tidbit is to find someone you feel safe talking with mm-hmm. about. It's that feeling of not feeling guilt or not feeling shame for asking these questions, but I cannot drive enough. Education is knowledge and knowledge is power. And if the more we're able to empower others to be educated on the truth and the facts, you know, the greater that we're able to see one another. So, and that's a great point because whether that trusted person, it may not be a parent or adult in their life. It might be seeing a counselor. It might be someone in the school setting or working at a nonprofit um, and having that safe person to be able to talk to. But in case they don't, know where to go? Are there any resources that you've learned from or that you would recommend whenever you worked with those girls? Yeah, most definitely. So I always rely on nonprofit organizations that specialize in those things. So Girls Inc. is one of them. Um, I went to Texas Wesleyan University. So that's in Fort Worth, Texas. And there are LGBTQIA plus communities and clinics out there. And so um, definitely research what is available to you in your area. Um, There are not only nonprofits or community clinics, but there are also just um, links that you can go to anonymously to talk to individuals about that. So know what's available to you. Get out there. Everyone has a phone nowadays, so Google is you know, not the worst thing if you don't live in the metropolitan area, but there are clinics out there to help support and they're anonymous and they do not call you out. They are very much there to support you. Um, if I'm recalling correctly off the top of my head, they also have mobile clinics um, in the DFW area. And so they'll have pop-up mobile clinics on a Saturday or on a Friday, um, not only handing out free condoms, but they'll also hand out um, free STD and STI testing for individuals who want to get tested. And I always encourage individuals, if you have engaged in unprotected sex, please get out there and get tested so that you know that information for you. That's great. And the anonymous part that you were speaking to, too, that's so important with some of the shame and guilt that can Mm -hmm. come with this line of work and seeking help. So that's really important. And that's great that those resources are out there. I didn't even know about a lot of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So and I'm sure there are things out there that I'm not (laughs) thinking of, but um, I just am so appreciative that we have a community that allows those things um, for a space for individuals to go to for sure. Definitely. And is there anything else that I haven't asked you about that maybe you're thinking about in the work of sex therapy or maybe things that people don't know about it? No, I mean, I think you've really covered all the topics. Um, I think that you've done a great job. I think just honing back in on that knowledge piece, right? So for me, it really is that that education piece of having those honest conversations. Um, And I always tell people, don't be afraid to ask. Be open 
be real, be transparent, because if you're asking it, it means something for you to ask. And so being able to be that safe space for that person and, and talk to them and walk through that journey with them is something that is hard to find the words to find things for. So, of course. And also that if somebody's coming to you, anybody listening, if somebody comes to you with something that they don't feel comfortable talking about with others, or they have questions and you don't know what to say, you can just be there for them and say, Mm -hmm. I'll help you find the answers to this. Because I think something with this topic that parents can get overwhelmed with, mm-hmm. friends can get overwhelmed with, is that they may not know the right thing to say or the right answer, but just being there for somebody is huge mm-hmm. and walking with that through them and mm-hmm. helping them find the resources or help that they need. Yeah, absolutely. I thank you for reminding me of that as well is you don't always have to have the answers to everything. And like you said, in the counseling world, you might be presented with a client that you've never worked with before. You personally don't have that experience with, and it is okay be there for that person in that moment and let them know that you are there to navigate that situation with them. So you don't always have to have the answers to things. Yeah. And speaking of this topic, I've seen therapists that um, specialize in polyamorous relationships. Yes. I'm sure that's something that a lot of people have zero experience. I know that I wouldn't. So the correct thing to do would be to be supportive. But of course, it goes out of your scope of work or something that you just do not feel qualified at all to empathize, be there with them and think, you know, this person might be a better fit with this, but having zero shame, zero guilt there because it's not our situation to understand and just trying to help them through their life. So, yeah, absolutely. And to know that we have people out there pushing to be present in everyone's lives and whatever their world looks like and whatever their reality looks like, wanting to be that support system. So there are people out there, y'all get support. Don't be afraid. Um, and know that you are, you're loved regardless. Okay. That's a great message to end on. Let's just soak that up for a little bit. But um, thank you so much, Aaron, for being on the podcast today. You guys, Aaron is graduating this weekend. <laughs> I'm graduating too. So we got this, Aaron. We did it. We um, did. Congrats. And our bestie, Hannah, is here in the studio listening. Yes. So we got to have an onlooker in the guest today. It was we awesome. did. Thanks, guys. Um, Thank you so much, Erin, for being on the podcast. Like I said, this is a topic that not a lot of people feel comfortable talking about. Um, And even though there's so much to learn, I know I have a lot to learn. We talked about the basics and being there for somebody. And I can see that you're so passionate about this. So thank you for the work that you do and that you're going to continue to do. Oh, thanks, Lauren. You're going to do an amazing job. And I appreciate you having me on the podcast today. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Connections Chat Podcast. Be sure to follow our podcast on your platform of choice to receive updates on our latest episodes. As our community is growing, we would appreciate it if you would subscribe and leave a review. If this episode resonated with you, please share and start the conversation with your network or support system. And together, we continue to break through the stigma surrounding mental illness.